the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our very first pilot episode of Here Come the Young Guns, the Corner 3 Draft Exclusive, where we break down the history of the NBA Draft. Tim Daniel here, excited to get this started with the draft of 1984. Had to bring in a great panel for this one, none other than my good friend, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Mr. Ben Brown. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I'm on vacation right now. I can just relax. It's tourney week. You know, I can, oh, I can do my thing. It's the best time of the year, my brother. You know, you get to sit back and watch nothing but basketball for the next Two and a half, three weeks, you get some great games. NBA season is winding down, heading to playoff time. So, I mean, it is a great time for a basketball fan. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited for everything. Um, so, for those who aren't aware, what we're going to do with this show is we're going to go through his- historic drafts, Ben and myself. We're going to talk about them. We're going to kind of go through like our thoughts on that class, how it turned out, who are the, you know, the, the big-time players, obviously, and uh, – who did and didn't pan out necessarily. And then our goal is at the end of each show to repick the top 10 of each draft. So, um, Ben, it's really easy when you're talking about NBA drafts to get started immediately with 1984 because that was the draft. Um, there's so many names on that list Hall of Famers, gold medalists, NBA champions, um, coaches that are, you know, guys are now coaching in the league. It was a three round draft at that time. This was before the lottery. Like, this was a you know, when you look at like top to bottom, just everything this this class brought to you, it was it was the be all end all. Oh, absolutely! I mean, this thing had everything. I mean, it had uh, dynamic players. It had guys that were journeymen. It had guys that um, who actually had other success overseas and in international play. Um, it had a little bit of everything. This draft, um, it had lots of hits and misses. Um, but overall, I mean, by far one of the best NBA drafts um, that we have ever seen. So it'll, it'll be interesting to dive into this one. Um, I'm excited for it. So let's set the scene here. Let's go back to that time. Uh, it was, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, before this draft, the Boston Celtics had just beat the L.A. Lakers in the 1984 NBA Finals, a classic seven-gamer, where, Mad- where Larry Bird wins the MVP. Um, one of those great classic Celtics Laker championships, and it brings us to now. Um, we have the Houston Rockets with the first pick in this draft. Uh, they won it by the way of a coin flip uh, with the Portland Trailblazers, yes. who also who gained that pick from the Indiana Pacers. So, uh, from a, due to trade, so talk about some interesting dynamics there. So, obviously, yeah. Houston goes at the name. The time the name was Akeem Olajuwon, you know. So, <laughs> um. Coming out of Houston, he was unbelievable. Didn't have to travel too far to play pro ball. Uh, he was the guy, obviously. So, and obviously, and I mean, obviously, their goal there was they had Ralph Sampson, so they were looking to do the original what we knew would later know as the Twin Towers. And Hakeem was the per- Hakeem, my apologies, was the piece to get that going. Absolutely, I mean, he was the guy. He was that centerpiece to try to bring all of that together. Um, and you pair him with Sampson and you uh, are looking at just dominating the inside for the next 10 to 15 years. And we all know how Akeem turning into Hakeem 
ended his career. I mean, he was just just a dominant force for the next 18 years for the Houston Rockets. I mean, he was just he brought them championships. Um, he, uh, I mean, he his footwork, his mechanics. I mean, he set the stage for all big men to come. He did, and <clears throat> I mean, if you look at guys now. You can definitely see like his game still lives on, and guys, especially like uh, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers, has mentioned many times he idolized his game after Olajuwon, and you see a mm-hmm. lot of the same similar moves in the paint, and they like has a lot of uh, it's the same dynamics per se. Maybe not as talented because I think, in my honest opinion, I know we can say how great Shaq was, and Shaq was great. I think Akeem's the most talented center I've ever seen as far as like an all-around player in my lifetime. So. Yeah, it's it was yeah. A, it was a home run with this pick, no doubt about it. Absolutely, slam dunk. Uh, I mean, no questions on this pick. Um, and even if you follow, if you followed Akeem ever since he's been out of the league, um, you know there are guys like Kevin Garnett, uh, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron have spent summers at Akeem Olajuwon's house working on post moves and footwork, and, and he has just been influential even in today's game so with that number one pick um they really knocked it out of the park there's there's uh, nothing wrong with that pick there and of course if you know the uh, the other thing is uh, as soon as they put him in that roster they went from 29 and 53 uh the year they drafted Olajuwon to the next year being 48 and 34 and finishing third yeah. in the west yes absolutely i mean instant uh instant impact he had on that team and uh and he trying to geek. He changed that culture in Houston. He he just made that a winning city and turned them into champions. I can't say the words Akeem without thinking of coming to America. I know that's bad of me, <laughs> but like everything, like and I know exactly the reasoning doing. I have all the respect and role for Elijah because he was you know this unbelievable, amazing player. But like every time I see that, I would just like think of like. Randy Watson, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She's my queen to be. Yeah, yeah. Akeem, yeah, absolutely. Coming to America. But yeah, that that's exactly what I think. <laughs> For those who don't know, that movie came out four years later. So we had a little bit of a stretch before that. So let's go look yes. at the rest of this draft. Um, like we mentioned, the Trailblazers get that pick in a trade from Indiana from a few years before. And mm-hmm. they go and they get Sam Bowie, who, I you know, he, he gets a rap. A rap he probably doesn't yeah. deserve because he just his body couldn't handle it. Uh, great time in Kentucky. Um, battled Ralph Sampson in college. was a huge like debate as far as who was the best center in his in our college days. Um, gets taken here because Portland wants to have that next big, big man after Elijah one was taken. And... He is. It's not fair because he is the guy that was taken between Olajuwon and Jordan, but like when he was on the court, he was a very good ball player. And absolutely, I I, I will defend him in the case of he is not a bust. I just think that his body just was not at the point where it should have been when his, when his NBA tenure came up, and that's just a lot of wear and tear. And his, you know, when you're when you're that tall and you're that get that tall that fast, that's a lot of like it's a lot of torture on your body. I agree. Um, he does get a bad rap. Um, anybody that had the opportunity to even watch film on, on him when he played at Kentucky or anybody that got the opportunity to see him play when he was healthy, there is no doubt in my mind when healthy, he was worthy of a number two pick. I mean, he was just a dominant player. 
Um, he led Kentucky to championships. He did a great job uh, at what he did. Um, and unfortunately, like you said, unfortunately for him, he uh, broke his leg. I want to say it was his junior year of college, and then yeah. got a got a red shirt, a medical red shirt, to play a fifth year. Um, and that thing just never healed properly. And it's a shame because uh, he was. It's kind of like the Arvidas Sabonis. Um, Arvidas Sabonis was a great player um, in Europe before he got to America. And when he got to America, you kind of saw him in, your, in his latter years. Um, so you didn't get the full, full Arvidas Abonis. You got the kind of the late in my stage kind of Arvidas Abonis, which was still really good, um, but wasn't as good as it was 10 years before. So um, people will debate that forever um, of the Sam Bowie pick, only because, of course, he came in between. I mean, if you look, <laughs> you know, the guy came in between Olajuwon Jordan, then Perkins, then Barkley. Right. So he sandwiched in between three Hall of Famers. So, I mean, he's going to get that rap. But um, I, I agree with you. Definitely undeserved due to his health issues and um, and the injuries that he sustained at UK and kind of went through to Portland. But, he, I mean, he wound up having a – I mean, he wound up having a 10-year career, you know. Yeah. I mean, averaged 10 points, 7.5 rebounds. You know, he made ten years in the league. I mean, I mean that's not a that's not nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's a that's a pretty decent uh, NBA career for most guys. Yeah, it's just the, the injury stories were so painful. Like there was a, he broke his leg in warmups one time, and like it was like ah mm-hmm. oh, man, like that guy can't catch a break. Kind of like Bogut now. Yes, yeah. yes, I agree with that. Yeah, it it's a shame. Yeah, I think the one that he was like shooting a jump shot. Yeah. And like landed and it and I was I mean it's just those kind of things you just cannot plan for and like you said with Andrew Bogut I mean the guy comes out to play a pick and roll and bumps legs and his leg is broken you know like that's that's just bad luck that is. you know so you can't yeah you can't blame that on anything but bad luck but you know Sam Bowie you know he would be an afterthought if he wasn't in between three Hall of Famers. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. So we'll get to Jordan, obviously, because that's going to be a big discussion here. Um, going through some of the other picks here, let's talk about Barkley and going to Philly at that fifth pick because that was, like, the perfect place at the perfect time for him. If you look at this roster, uh, obviously Julius Irvin being on the roster kind of towards the end of his career, Moses Malone being there, um, mm-hmm. Mo Cheeks was there, who's obviously a very good NBA guard. They had, like, a lot of really good players, man. Uh, just in Sam mm-hmm. Williams, Clint Richardson, Bobby Jones. And you throw Barkley in there, who obviously immediately takes the NBA by storm. Uh, the, the Sixers go to the Eastern Conference Finals that year with taking Barkley. And it just seemed like when he got there, I understand Irving and Malone were kind of at the – they're in their last run, uh, especially, you know, especially Irving. But, like, mm-hmm. putting Barkley there, it seemed like that was going to be kind of, like, that guy that, like, took that Philadelphia 76ers torch after those guys left and really led the franchise for years to come. Obviously did that for about six, seven years, but that didn't end up really being the case. Yeah, I mean, he kind of got a bad rap there in, in Philly. Um, after those guys left, I mean, he was he was kind of left with a sinking ship. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you lose, you know, Dr. J, I mean, and you lose... Uh, you know Moses Malone. I mean that those are two, of course, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame players. 
and you lose those uh, with the Mo Cheeks, and now you're looking at trying to have him be the savior of a team, and the, and they really, after that, didn't draft very well, um, and they also didn't put a whole lot of good players around him. So um, for, for Barkley, though, luckily for him, he was able to get out and, and go to Phoenix and kind of uh, revive his career and get a shot at a, at a title, of course, you know, falling to the Bulls. But um, for what they had at the time, I mean, they just won the championship in 83. So for them to bring on a Barkley um, was, was you know, pretty pretty good right there at the time. Because for him, the good thing was is that he didn't have to come out and play right away as a star. Right. So he got a chance to be mentored by Moses Malone. He got a chance to have Mo Cheeks and Dr. J be with him before he had to try to take over and be the man. So um, it was, a, it was a, a good thing to see, just unfortunate for him. Philadelphia did not put a whole bunch of people around him to be successful. No, they didn't. And so, but you know, obviously, ended up having a great career. Hall of Famer, MVP. I think his MVP season is one of the greatest MVP seasons of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold medalist on the, you know, member of the dream team. Obviously, doesn't hurt his resume. Um, not at all. No, no. So let's look at some of these other guys in this draft because this was back when the NBA. This wasn't a lottery draft. There was, you know, three rounds. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the biggest steal in that draft has to be John Stockton with the Jazz getting him in the 16th pick, which is like oh, my yeah. fav- one of my all-time favorite draft stories. Have you ever seen that documentary on the NBA Network where they talk to Stockton? I have. No, I have not. I it's have so, not. It's so funny because they're interviewing him as senior at Gonzaga, and he's like talking about it, like basically he's saying like the way that, sh- um, that he didn't think he would be good enough to be drafted to the NBA. That wasn't his thought process. So when he actually was drafted, he just went, well... I guess I better go. I mean, this could be cool, I guess. Like, just very nonchalant, <laughs> typical Stockton, like, just, okay, I guess I'm good enough to play, I'll go. And it was it was hilarious. So, uh, that was, you know, Stockton going there at 16. Um, yeah. That's a big one there. You know, under the radar, guys, like Kevin Willis obviously going to Atlanta at 11. I think he played Atlanta for, like, 35 years, it felt oh, like. Kevin Willis, I felt like, I mean – Steve Kerr tells a story um, of Kevin Willis when them two are on the Spurs together in their twilight years. And he says that those two are sitting on the bench. He said the worst thing he's ever heard a fan say, and not really worst but funniest, is that a guy yells down to Kevin Willis and says, Hey, Kevin Willis, are you single? And Willis says, Yeah, why? And the guy goes, Because my grandma would like to date you. And the whole bench just started dying laughing. Because <laughs> Kevin Willis had been in the league at time for 20 years or something like that, and the whole crew lost it. But you want to talk about the ultimate – I mean, that guy was the ultimate competitor, and he also was a great guy, just a great locker room guy from what I understand. You can't make it in the league 21 years without being a guy that, one, keeps himself in great shape, and two, uh, is willing to do anything to help the team. I'd be at a bench guy, I'd be at a starter, rebounder. Um, he kind of did it all. And, and to get him at 11 with his longevity, I mean, that's that's pretty special. Yeah, man, he played so long and did so many cool things in the league. Um, <laughs> other names that are really interesting, if you go down to the third round, Rick Carlisle, who we all know, obviously, as the now the coach of the Dallas Mavericks, has an NBA title as a coach. Obviously, one more yes. remember that Celtics team's a bench player. One, like Larry Bird has said, one of his favorite teammates ever. Um, so, 
always, I always think that's funny. Like, Carlisle wasn't exactly the... He wasn't going to ex- excite you with his athleticism by any stretch of the matter, mm-hmm. but, you know, a very good, smart basketball mind, obviously, as we see today. And was able Absolutely. to really do a lot of really good things as far as, like, being a role player on that, on that Celtics dynasty. Yes, absolutely. And he was, uh, like you said, Larry Bird said he was his favorite teammate. And he and he did the job he was supposed to do. Um, he filled that role and filled that role really well. And now you see his basketball intelligence, like you said, um, coaching the Mavericks, um, you know, and doing what he does there. Um, another great one on there uh, is Jerome Kersey at 46. Yeah. I mean, Jerome Kersey played 17 years in the league from Longwood University. 17 years in the league, most known for the Portland Trailblazers. And that those great teams of the 90s with uh, Drexler and Terry Porter. And, you know, he that's another great role guy. And he did a great job of doing what he was supposed to do. But 17 years for the 46 pick, I mean, that's 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 very good. That is very good. I, I didn't. I mean, I knew he played a long time, but I couldn't have put that much time frame on there for him. So uh, that's actually a little eye opening for me. So I guess that's that age showing there, buddy. <laughs> there you go. Hey, absolutely, man. That, that's a. Uh, I remember Jerome Kersey. You know, on he was one of those glue guys for those Portland teams. Man, he was just a grinder. Always, you know, he was always on the glass doing what he had to do. Um, so he was he was a good fit for that team. Did the Blazers have like eighty four picks in this draft? I'm like going through now. I think I've seen five already in the first two rounds. Yeah they they must have they must have made Six. some trades. Yeah <laughs> they must have made some trades and and stockpiled some stocks stockpiled some picks because yeah I think I see I saw six picks on here for them. Yeah, six. So picks they must have. They must have done a. You know, they must. Which you know, in turn, benefited them outside of the Bowie pick, but it benefited them because a lot of those guys that, that are there were there to build for that championship. So or the championship run. But of course, you know, Michael Jordan spoiled all that. But <laughs> just a bit, know, just a little bit, just just a little bit. <laughs> he did that to a lot of people. Yeah, he yeah, isn't that the truth? Uh, big other big ones there. Um, obviously, Melvin Turpin, the Bulls taking him in the trade to Cleveland, where he um, yes. didn't exactly plan out to be the NBA star. Many people thought he'd be, but had a decent run there. Played about six, seven years in the league. So, and then obviously not here with us anymore, unfortunately. But, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Otis Thorpe, you know, did his thing. Is another league. good one. Yeah, coming out of Providence. Another seventeen-year guy. He also wound up being on that rock, those Rocket teams with uh, when they won the championship. He did. And yes, he did. Had a little stint with yeah. the Heat there with Zoe and Mashburn. Yes, he was. So I mean, seventeen years, you know, seventeen years in the league for the number nine pick. I mean, that's that's a pretty good, pretty good trade off. That guy had a lot of good years in him. Yeah, he did. So. so. Um, a lot of, you know, this was obviously, you know, like we mentioned, this is as deep as the drafts gets. And I know everyone wants to hear us talk about MJ. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Absolutely. Uh, we got to get to Sam Perkins, obviously. Fourth pick, coming off that North Carolina team with Michael Jordan and James Worthy that won the title the year before. Had a very mm-hmm. lengthy career. Known for those Laker days for a little bit there. Play, uh, was He was a Michael Jordan victim. Yeah, he was a big yes. Michael Jordan victim. <laughs> Yes, 91, 96, his Pacer years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yep. 
Yeah, he ran into Michael Jordan a lot. <laughs> he ran, into, which never ended up well for him. Which, you know, if he played with Mike in college, I think he kind of knew how the game was going to end. Right. Um, you know, he he had been previewed to that for the last three years, so he knew he knew where his fate was going. So, um, but Sam Perkins, yeah, he etched out a, a very good career for himself. Uh, they called him Big Smooth. That, he was one of those first guys as kind of a stretch four, stretch five. Yeah, could shoot could shoot the three lefty. He was really smooth. Was a good player. He was a New York kid, man. He was like, I mean, not a shocker, a Brooklyn kid. I guess to the NBA, obviously by any means, but he, oh, like, yeah. he had that like Brooklyn toughness, and you saw that at Carolina because he was so dominant there. Like, I don't know if mm-hmm. people realize, like as great as Jordan was, but like in Carolina. He maybe might have been at that time frame the third best player on that team, but time below with the Perkins and Worthy, and um, just how good those two were as far as being mm-hmm. on the blocks and the way they ran their offense with those three. Like Perkins was a dominant, dominant player. Obviously, he had a really good NBA career, but the who he was as a college player and even as an amateur player in the Olympics, he was just phenomenal. Yes, he was. And yeah, people people fail to realize that, and they probably think, "Oh, wow, Sam Perkins at four. But if you saw Sam Perkins playing in college, he in that offense and in what Dean Smith had them do, he was he was as dominant as they came on the NCAA level, and he, uh, he him and Worthy and Jordan, I mean they they dominated people, and they did it. And Sam Perkins did what he had to do as far as uh, being in the paint, living in the paint in his college days. And he made he made people's lives miserable in college. Yeah, so I guess now that we've kind of touched on majority of those, let's talk about Mike. Can we? <laughs> yes, we can. I think, one of my favorite subjects. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we have. I don't, I don't know if we can really fill a podcast talking about Michael Jordan. I don't know if we have. I mean, can't is I don't know if that's possible. Oh, uh, with Mike. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that <laughs> he could be one podcast in, of himself. Yeah. So. so. Let's talk about the skinny kid that played in North Carolina. Uh, we obviously knew he hit the, sh- the, you know, the big-time shot for them to beat Georgetown the year before he got drafted. He hit that as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a guy that a lot of people you know, really liked in college. He was a Wooden Award winner. Um, but it came down to really like who was going to take him because a lot of people were worried about his size. And Absolutely. So he dropped here to Chicago at three. Obviously, as we know, history is made, and the rest, you know, the rest of the world happens. But mm-hmm. when we look at, you know, he was started to etch his greatness in Carolina, but his, I mean, but he was nowhere near, you know, his airiness. He was not big, the big shot, uh, have the game on the line player really throughout his college career by any stretch of the matter. But right. the Bulls kind of, you know, they knew something. Um, and obviously Nike knew something because Nike mm. put all of their eggs in the Michael Jordan basket. So this revolutionized this pick here. Not only revolutionized the NBA and Michael Jordan, but like pop culture was completely made with this pick. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that Michael Jordan's influence, even to to even to today, his influence is just so great. Um, you know, you pick him at three, and I, you know, and I don't blame Houston or Portland for no. not picking him because they were picking on need. I mean, they're, I mean, Houston got Elijah who's a Hall of Famer, and Sam Bowie, you know, goes to Portland, and Portland picked him to be another big man. I, you know, 
kind of like the Bill Walton years when they won a championship in Portland. They thought that Sam Bowie was that guy. And you pair him with Drexler. I mean, and then you have, you have, uh, you know, a chance at a dynasty. So you can't blame them for everybody's like, oh, well, they skipped over Michael Jordan. Well, no, they didn't really skip over Michael Jordan. You know, they, they picked for what their need was. And like you said, Michael Jordan wasn't Michael Jordan that we all know, you know, the, you know, his airness. He wasn't that in college. He was a guy that, I mean, he was a great player in college and he did some amazing things in college. But nobody, nobody could have foreseen, not even the Bulls could have foreseen what he would become even just a year into the league. I mean, there's no way you could first, you could see that. I mean, I mean, he revolutionized shoes, baggy pants, head, uh, his play, his style, his swagger, everything he did. I mean, it just revolutionized the whole NBA game. Michael Jordan's pick with the Bulls. Now, you know, Jerry Krause and Reinsdorf and Phil Knight at Nike, they just guessed right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Sonny I mean, Vicaro, you just, you just he, guess, he knew. Yeah. yeah, you just guessed right. I mean, sometimes you just guess right, and they guessed right with Michael Jordan. I mean, people know what makes a great player, and I'm sure that he showed a lot of things that made him a great player with his drive and his passion to win and wanting to win championships. Um, but there's no way you could have seen what he would become. I mean, the guy is worth a half a billion dollars. Um, and he, he still to this day influences culture. I mean, there's not a person walking that hasn't thrown on a pair of Jordan shoes or put on a Jordan sweatshirt or when they shot a, you know, shot trash into the garbage said, Jordan. I mean, I mean, everything you do has been influenced basketball-wise by Michael Jordan. And, the, I mean, and, and professionals now even say that. I mean, everything that those guys do is predicated on what Michael Jordan did. So as far as picks go and as far as players go, I mean, Michael Jordan's influence and, and where he ended up with the Bulls was the perfect spot. It was, and at the time, I mean, they weren't exactly. I think you know they were just about to bring in George Gervin, which Jordan wasn't obviously was wasn't a fan of. For many people, who don't mm-hmm. know that. Um, obviously, he has the rookie year where the Bulls make the playoffs, and he has a, a, a standing playoff run. Um, he, mm-hmm. You know, he was so good, so so. Yes, good. he was. And then <clears throat> next year breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously comes back and has the 69-point game against the Celtics in the playoffs. Oh, puts it on. Yeah. Puts it on. Loses, but... Loses. <laughs> but but did his thing. Um, so, you know, and you're right. Like, it was it was Sonny Vaccaro saying, hey, guys, we've got something with this kid. I promise you. And Nike, you know, obviously, like, changes everything with him. And that was just so awesome. So good to see. Me as a Bulls fan, I'll obviously always I'll hold that special place for Michael Jordan in my heart. I mean, basketball fans around the world always will. So this is kind of, you know, the 84 draft is not just the Jordan draft, but he is the flagship player coming from it and a group of Hall of Famers and champions and guys that did a lot of awesome things. 
Absolutely. And and he is the flagship of it. Um, another guy, which I always find it interesting, when I was looking through this draft, and I did not know, I'd heard his name, but I did not know he was a part of the 84 draft. And I don't know if this name has rung a bell, but Oscar Schmidt. Yeah. Oscar Schmidt was part of the 84 draft, and I did not know that. He, uh, Kobe Bryant is, is on record with saying that he is one of Kobe's basketball idols. Now, when I read that he was on there, and I know who Oscar Schmidt is, and I remember watching him in 88, 92, but just, I mean, he is one of the five Hall of Famers in this draft, which mm-hmm. when I read there was five, I was like, wow, and Oscar Schmidt is the fifth. If you look at his points in the Olympics, so he played in the 80, the 84, and the 92 Olympics. In the 80 Olympics, he averaged 24.4 points a game. In the 84 Olympics, in eight games, he scored 335 points. Is that good? With huh? 40, 42 points a game. I'm like, and then in 92, he scored 219 and averaged 28.8. And in FIBA play in 78 and 86, he averaged 34.6 points a game. And this is over a span. His, his first international game was in 74, and his last game was in 03. He led the Italian league in scoring seven times and the Brazilian league in scoring eight times. I mean, it's just what this guy did internationally and against U.S. I mean, he never wound up playing in the States, which is a shame because I think he could have been. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats anyway, but he could have been just memorable in the States if he had gotten the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. He kind of really bridged that culture, too. And also, like, he was part of the 87 uh, Brazilian team that beat the team, the U.S. team that was loaded in the Pan Am games. Yes, he was. Like, that team was stacked, too, uh, when you look at it. Because that, that, was, that was before the pros were allowed to play. That was a lot of college all-stars. Yeah. So, just unbelievable there. So, let's go ahead and do this, man. Um, let's do this for the first time here. Let's play a little fantasy draft. We're going to redraft Absolutely. this draft. You ready to get started, man? I am, man. Right. I am, for sure. So, this is how it's going to work. Um, we're going to rotate picks here. Uh, ben, you'll go first. I'll go second. So you'll obviously get the Bulls pick. We'll go 1 through 10. <laughs> who, was, who made sense and who didn't, you know. If you want to keep the same guy in that pick, obviously by all means. But go ahead, man. You're the Houston Rockets. Who are you taking first? Man, uh, if I'm the Houston Rockets, I I've, I still got to go with the Lajuan, man. I still got to go with the Lajuan. He, he fit what they did. And, and what they wanted to do, and uh, it turned out well for them. So I would I, I definitely have to stay with the Olajuwon pick there. Yeah, and I would certainly agree with that. All right, if I'm second with Portland, I know this is not just because of the injuries. Uh, this is just, you know, obviously, well, actually, yeah, it is because of the injuries. I can't yeah. lie to you. Um, <laughs> I, think I, take, I think I take Charles Barkley with a second pick going to Portland. I think that, you know, not, obviously it's easy to say you take Michael Jordan there. But I think Barkley and Drexler in their in their young develop like learning to play the league in the league together could have been so filthy. We got a little glimpse of it for that couple years in Houston when they were together. But you know they were definitely they were older players. They were kind of at the end of their of their their peak. Um, so 
I could have just, if we could have had the Portland Trailblazers take Charles Barkley at two in that draft and just seen what those guys could have done as they built that dynasty, ooh, we that could have been something. Absolutely. And then you add later on the 87, I believe, draft, Terry Porter. Mm-hmm. Then you got Kersey developing. I mean, that could have been a scary, scary group with Barkley. I definitely agree with that one. And Big Dog? That's Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that could have been that could have been a really really good team. Now I don't know if they'd have beat Michael Jordan, yeah. but you know that could have been that could have been a dominant team for years to come the, with those two in their prime, uh, getting to play with one another. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. So that brings you to the Chicago Bulls pick, man. What are you take here? <laughs> gotta stay, gotta stay with MJ. Gotta stay with MJ for sure. All the reasons that we've talked about before. Um, that is a that is just a, a a great pick for them, and props to you know props to their their people for finding finding Michael Jordan and, and believing in him enough to put him there at three. So yeah, I definitely agree with the Jordan pick. Yeah, I agree with you. And then the fourth pick here, the Dallas Mavericks got this pick from the Cavaliers. Um, obviously, this was originally Sam Perkins, but since we've already had one switch up in the draft, this is where I would take Bowie. Um, because at this point, you don't know what's going to happen to his legs. Uh, you know he does have the injury at Kentucky, obviously, but you think he's fully recovered from all the scattering reports there. I think that he could have been just he could have been the guy that set that tone for Dallas big men, which you later saw, obviously, with guys like Sean Bradley. You saw with Dirk. Um, you just saw, you know, having that like big body frame that was able to get down the court at a, a decent rate, run the fast break, mm-hmm. dunk, shoot, shoot a good mid range game. So I think Bowie could have been a really good player if he had, had gotten that been picked there by Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. And I would switch them, and I would I would have put Perkins in Philly. That would that would be my five. I'd put Perkins there. He gets to be with Moses Malone for a couple years. Um, and then you got Dr. J there, and then he's got still has a point guard with Mo Cheeks. Um, so I would definitely put Perkins there at five. That would have been nice. Ooh. Yes, it would have. This is kind of fun. I'm digging this. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like so six is the Bullets take the pick, but they later trade it to the Cavaliers. I still stick with Turpin there. I think that you know going in that situation, I think that he could have been really good in Cleveland. And he had a you know a good run. He was never exactly like a big time player in the NBA, but a really good second tier bench player, like a second tier center that could come off the bench, get some boards for you, get some inside points, block some shots. So I think Turpin still fits there because this is basically the end of Lenny Wilkins. And this is like as, mm-hmm. the, as the Cavaliers are making that transition. Absolutely. Um, with the seventh pick, which is to the Spurs, which Alvin Robertson was a great player, um, but. I would move John Stockton there. Ooh. It'd be interesting to see to have Stockton there, and then a couple years later you bring in the Admiral um, and have those two playing together. So you almost get the same thing. It could have been Stockton to Robinson. I mean, instead of Stockton to Malone. I mean, you could have had that same thing there, and those two could have been great for a number of years to come. So I would have put Stockton there at seven if we were, if we were moving this thing around. Yeah, which is perfect because I would put Alvin Robinson then in that case in the in LA playing for the Clippers. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know Lancaster Gordon goes there. That's a pick they get from uh, Golden State. But <clears throat> you put Robinson there as the Clippers are really trying to get that full like identity. Um, even back then, they were competing to be the other not should not be the other team in LA. So that could have been a good start for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then we have Otis Thorpe. Um, I, I would have kept him there. He was he was a good player. I think he did a great job for them. And, and um, I would have kept Otis, Otis Thorpe at nine for sure. Yeah, and then the 10th pick there was Philly. They got this pick from Denver. Um, obviously, earlier in the draft, we took Sam Perkins for them at five. So mm-hmm. here, I'm going to load up on big men, man. I'm going to take Kevin Willis there. I think that, you know, we know Mo- we know Moses is at the end there. Julius is getting tired. Barkley's off the board to Portland. You get those guys. That's your blocks there for a decade. And obviously, in Kevin Willis's case, he probably could have played at Philly until he was like 47. So, <laughs> he would have um, played with Iverson. So. Right. Yeah, into Kimba. <laughs> into Kimba. Yeah. He'd have been there for years. So, but yeah, I like that pick. I like that pick. I think that that would have been awesome. Um, so I thought that was fun. That was a really cool first segment of doing that. That was, that was nice. I was digging that. Oh, man, yeah, that's, it's always good to do that. I, I like being able to play GM and and kind of play what could have been. So that's really cool. Yeah, so let's go ahead and wrap up the pilot edition of Here Come the Young Guns as we go through these uh, previous NBA drafts and talk about our thoughts as well. There, So when we get together again, it's going to be the 96 NBA draft. I don't know if you guys know, but this one's pretty loaded too. A lot of uh, Absolutely. A lot of talent. I think that Iverson guy was in there, maybe Ray Allen. Mm. I think a young kid from high school named Kobe Bryant was in this draft. Just a few guys to name. Oh, man, wet my appetite. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Ready to go. All right, so that will wrap up this week's edition of Here Come the Young Guns. Everyone have a good night and stay safe. God bless. See you. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.